Did someone break something that you cared about that you specifically told them not to touch? How can you bless them in that? Have your children launched a mess that you feel should not have happened? How can you make their lives richer in that? Is everyone desperate to eat dinner and you are still frantically trying to unload the dishwasher so you can start cooking? How can you bestow on them in this? Here, now, while you really don't want to. Is someone in your house making a lot of trouble for you? Are they provoking siblings and making conflict? How can you take that situation and nurture them in it? I know this is hard, believe me. Even writing that paragraph was convicting. I certainly don't mean that when a child is blatantly sinning, we should use our highest-pitched, cutie voice to declare that they are a precious princess while giving them stickers. We are talking about gold here, not glitter. I mean that we should show them that they are precious by giving them what they need, not what we need or think we need, not what they deserve, but what they truly need. We should not be correcting our children in the interest of making our lives easier, although it almost most certainly will. Correct them in the interest of making their lives richer. I know that an idea like this will make many parents cringe. Giving so much to your children isn't healthy. Something about a child-centered home comes to mind. But giving your own self-control and self-discipline to your children cannot be overdone. Bestowing constant love on a child does not spoil them. It makes them rich. False love is fool's gold. You can make it look like the real thing. You can hide your selfishness under a pretense of sacrifice. You can discipline in anger. You can demand much of your children, but little of yourself. You can give with lots of strings. You can make your children afraid of your giving while impressing your friends with your selflessness. But there is something sobering about giving so much. Scripture teaches, to whom much is given, much is required. When we give freely to our children, we are constantly raising the bar for them. The more we bestow, the more will be required. Our generosity in this way is not tender sentimentalism. As we give, we ask God to require. As we bestow, we increase their responsibility. An excerpt from Fit to Burst by Rachel Jankovic. Well, welcome back to Bright Hearth Podcast. As always, I'm Brian Sauvet here with my wife, Lexi. And once again, we are in our bedroom recording this, our makeshift at home studio. Last week, I for those like three or four hundred of you that, that downloaded the episode before Lexi texted me frantically and said, you know, you actually said you were going to edit some stuff out in the middle of that. Like at some point we were doing like talking shop behind the scenes. And then uh, uh, I did not edit that out, dear listener. So my bad. But now we've got Ray. Ray, who has been editing the King's Hall podcast for Eric, Dan, and I, has agreed to come on board and edit the Bright Hearth podcast. So thank you guys who are supporting on Patreon. It's your support that helps us to be able to offload some of the things that help us focus more on the content and not as much the production. So if you want to help out in that way, you can go to patreon.com slash brighthearth. And uh, we've got a bunch of rewards. You get like a Feed the Patriarchy mug with the $10 tier. So thanks everyone for supporting. That said, we are about the work of recovering the lost arts of homemaking in the productive Christian household here at Bright Hearth. And so this season, we're walking through the rooms of the house and kind of taking an episode or two or three in each of the rooms, talking about the different arts and disciplines and duties that you might have in that room. Um, so we've spent two episodes so far in the living room. We've been talking about education, the centrality of education. Um, we're going to, or no, this is our second episode in the living room. 
I'm no, pretty sure. No, this is the this third. Is the third? Yeah, the third, because we did beauty. Oh, we did the beauty. That's education, right. the now beauty. we're doing discipline. Lexi is the beauty. Well, we, <laughs> we talked about the necessity of beauty, the centrality of education, and now we're talking about discipline and discipleship of children, uh, and actually we'll depart from the living room at the end to talk about parenting and the pews a little bit today. Bringing so, up Christians in the household is a right. lost art. <laughs> it really is. It really is. And so really we're thinking through this topic today under three basic headings. Uh, so this is kind of what to expect in this episode. We'll talk about discipline, and, and this is simply correcting your children, helping to train them up in the, the law of the Lord, uh, to teach them to obey such commands as children, obey your parents in the household codes that Paul writes in his letters. Uh, then we'll talk in a second heading about discipleship, more more particularly spiritual formation, catechism, some of those things. And then finally, we'll talk about parenting in the pews, because many of you come from family-integrated churches, similar to ours, where your children are not being entertained by somebody with a faux hawk or spiky, bleach-tipped hair <laughs> uh, dressed up for some inexplicable reason, like a chipmunk or a superhero, <laughs> during the worship service of the people of God, as if they do not belong to the people of God, uh, <laughs> but actually have them next to you in the pews, as we do at our church. So we believe that ought to be how it is, that your children ought to be. They're a part of the people of God, and they ought to be with us in the pews. So we'll talk about that particularly, and Lexi has, I think, a very concentrated... Um, form of experience in oh, parenting and like, abuse, what? since her oh. husband is a pastor who is typically leading the liturgy, singing and preaching <laughs> during the service. And so I'm, I am typically not much help on Sundays with the children during the service. So let's start with that uh, category of discipline, Lexi. And uh, what what first comes to mind for you when we start talking about disciplining children and training them in obedience? I think it's important to note, first of all, that God's law is specifically what you are calling them to be obeying, teaching the kids that you are under authority, just like they are under your authority. So they like something I've been saying to the kids this week even is reminding them, like if they start to feel like, well, this is mean or mom's you know, mad. I, I remind them like, no, do I discipline your friends? <laughs> I don't discipline your friends. I discipline you because you're my child and I love you and God calls me to discipline you. That's how I'm showing you that you're my child. I'm, I've been shocked at how quickly it stops their complaining when mm. it comes to like, oh, you're right. You don't do this to my friends. Right. <laughs> you actually love me. Yeah. So just to, like showing them like mommy doesn't have an option. And I think when you realize that you don't have an option and you are to obey the Lord, you're not going to be in such a huff about disciplining them. Um, I really liked what Chocolate Knox said on the recent King's Hall podcast where he was praising Gabe Wrench actually about how he was in, I think he was just in a conversation with him when they first moved to Moscow. Moscow, however you guys say it. Moscow. Okay. And he just like stopped in the middle of the conversation and said, hold on one second, got to go discipline my son. And like, that was the next thing God had for him. And he did not complain about it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just when it's, when you know that it's a vocation again, that God has given you, there's, it's not an option. It's not a choice between finishing the spaghetti sauce and spanking the child. It is spanking the child. Right. I think that's one thing that... Um, because of God's word is your standard. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Thinking about that, when when you're doing the, the flow chart of your life from what is most important to what is less important, it's very important that you get that right up front. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't get that right, 
you will be confused as a parent yeah. when you're making the spaghetti because you'll think making the spaghetti is very important. Mm-hmm. And it is because feeding your people as a homemaker, yeah. as a wife, feeding your people is not like a small part of your life. Obviously, ladies who are at home, you know feeding people <laughs> is very important for morale. And you do it a lot. It's like one of your main main duties, week in and week out, day in and day out. But if you don't understand that flow chart of what mm-hmm. is most important, what is least important, then you yourself will make mistakes and you'll get frustrated when something less important seems more important to you in the moment. Yeah. So when your spaghetti sauce being stirred at the perfect interval, <laughs> you know, becomes yeah. more important and so it doesn't burn on the bottom, mm-hmm. then disciplining your three-year-old, what you're actually saying is, this spaghetti sauce is more important than you. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that. How does that flow chart work? I mean, for me as a mom, it's like I need to obey God first, yes. which means I have to be giving my self-control to put down the wooden spoon and to walk away from the pasta colander That's right. <laughs> and to go spank. And so much so that I have said over the last couple months, you helped me with this a couple months ago, where I was literally saying to them, I am willing to inconvenience myself to come and discipline you. So they understood and they got it in their head like, mom's not kidding. She's going right. to come spank. So me being self-controlled and obedient myself in the Lord is the first most important thing so that the child can also be put in their proper place, both to be made to obey. and Yeah, it's like you often say, and I think this is from somebody else, organize your attitude. Oh yeah, Misty Winkler. Misty Winkler, yeah. which by the way, every time I hear the name Misty Winkler, <laughs> I was in a class with Misty Winkler at NSA, <laughs> and I thought to myself, this person can't be real. This can't be. This must be a stage <laughs> no, name. She's real. She's Misty awesome. Winkler. What a cute mm-hmm. name. Okay. Well, Misty often says, "Organize your attitude." It's something that's been helpful in our home. To think through that first order of importance mm-hmm. isn't actually disciplining your children first. It's you being disciplined as a son or daughter of God. And if you're like my personality, I really don't understand how people can get this without postmillennialism. Because if you're a revolutionary, like my temptation is to be a revolutionary. I want to overhaul it all, all the time, Yeah, quickly. The system needs to work yes. efficiently and perfectly. Instead of a reformer who can be patient, you are constantly going to have your priorities wrong because you're going to be thinking in like large term, change the world type yeah. things yeah. instead of realizing that judgment starts in the house of the Lord, which means me spanking my inner... <laughs> sinner so that my sin is not also acting as a tyrant like my two-year-old might be acting like a tyrant right so once you can understand from a post-millennial perspective god has designed this to be generational he has not designed this to be tomorrow everyone's attitudes are going to be better or tomorrow whatever you know system in the world you like i do care about food a lot you know that i care about food but yeah i also have to trust that I only have a very small part to play in the reformation part of like recovering gospel in the food industry, but I have a huge part to play in making sure my children are being trained up to obey the Lord. Yeah, that's so important when you're when we're thinking about our duties, one of the things that we talk about to such a degree that I think people in my church are probably getting sick of me talking about this, but we talk about our duties and then we talk about ditches that we can fall into. Yeah. I just like whenever I think of our my duties as a husband or a father or Lexi's duties as a wife or a homemaker, I'm thinking of 
as a way of heading them off and keeping our wheels out of that ditch. It's like, what are some ditches you could fall in? I do think for a lot of ladies, because your work is difficult, because your work is never ending, you don't have a five day a week job with children and training children and feeding people and clothing people and cleaning home and doing all that. It's seven days a week. And uh, it just in sometimes 24 hours. 24 hours a day. Yeah, yeah. When, pe- when people are throwing up in shifts yeah. in your house. So I think <laughs> one of the ditches that the homemaker can fall into is a, I'm going to do the things I know I must do, but I'm going to make sure everybody around me knows what a sacrifice I'm giving for them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it with as many mean looks as I can. I'm going to do it. <laughs> giving everybody the cold shoulder and the snoot face and I'm going to let everybody know that what a blessing I am to them. (laughs) Well, that's why I think it's important to just see the child that you need to discipline as the next thing, the next good work God has given you. That's right. (laughs) So first order of business always is going to be organize your attitude, fear the Lord, be in fellowship with the Lord and make sure, and that means confessing your sin when you need to, being quick to repent Mm -hmm. because you are a sinner. You are going to need to repent just like all of us. We're going to have sin that needs to be dealt with. We know what to do with it. Christians. Okay. Yeah. Second order then when we're, when we're working our way down, I've been disciplined as a son or daughter before the Lord. I'm right with the Lord. Now I'm going to go down the list to my subservient duties, like loving and respecting and serving my husband as a homemaker. And then the children, Mm -hmm. like my people are going to be the next thing down and your people. So not other people's kids, not all of the different church activities that you want to be involved in, Yeah, not all of the different, you know, ministry groups and Bible studies you want to do, not all of the, even serving other people in the church where you're like, I got to bake them a meal and I've got to do this. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying get the order right. Yeah. You need to serve your people first because there is also, I think, a ditch where... Sometimes, and you might be able to expand on this more than I can, but I do think it could be a temptation for ladies to neglect the first order of their own people in a zeal to serve everyone. Yeah. Right? They feel guilty anytime a, a, a meal list goes up on the church group mm. if they're not, you know, the first in and they're not doing it every single time. But, and, and I'm not discouraging you if you have a, a real servant's heart and that's just who you are, but make sure that you're not doing the triage wrong, and it's like your kids get the message over time, everyone else before you. Yeah, I think too, like I'd imagine if it were me, it would be like I'm trying to get home-cooked meal for us, a home-cooked meal for friends, and so I'm not spanking at the first offense when I should. Instead, I'm waiting until the third or fourth, and I'm screaming at everyone afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Making so then I feel like, oh, it really is hard to serve other families in the church. When really, if I had stopped and spanked the first time, it would have made our dinner and dinner for somebody else's family much smoother than the way I dealt with it. I think what ends up happening with that people hearing that and they say, okay, well, then I can't serve. I can't serve. I'm just gonna, but then they're never fixing that habit of exactly being quick to discipline. They're still training their child to, you know only react after mom has started to scream at them. When in reality, if you just obeyed yourself and spanked at the first offense, you could keep serving and a lot more cheerfully. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You see how it all it all keeps coming back relentlessly yeah. to your attitude. 
and your discipline yeah. before God of doing your duties in their proper order. And so when I say like take care of your people before you serve somebody else, I don't mean make dinner for your family, but not anybody else. I mean, make sure that as you're doing the meal for you and for someone else, you're making an extra big pot of soup and an extra loaf of bread so that you can take half to a family that you're not letting that knock you off the wagon or knock you off of the the discipline of Mm -hmm. first offense, spanking, correcting, disciplining sort of thing. So certainly that is a you know, next order. Even now thinking about within that disciplining your children category as we're working our way down the triage, even within the category of disciplining your children, there's a correct ordering of importance. Proverbs, uh, let me let me read this passage. This is Proverbs 23, 26. It is one of my go-to verses on parenting. I think it's I think it's one of the most foundational sentences in the scriptures on parenting. And it's in the Proverbs where Solomon says, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. In that passage, Solomon basically, Proverbs is a parenting book in a lot of ways. It's about raising sons to be godly kings, basically, to rule well, to rule themselves well, that they can rule others well. He just cuts right there to the heart of parenting. What are we trying to do? Well, we're trying to not be hypocrites. We're telling our children to observe our ways because so much of their discipleship isn't just going to come from us spanking them or correcting them. It's going to be from them imitating us and learning us. They're going to be shaped by, like like Hugh of St. Victor, we mentioned last time, talked about the teacher being like the signet ring and the child being the soft wax that it presses the seal into. We impress ourselves onto our children to a large extent. So observe my ways. But then he says, the first part, my son, give me your heart. What he's aiming for, what Solomon and, and the, the wise, God-fearing parent is aiming for, isn't first to get their child conformed to the standard externally, but to actually win their, their child's heart. And I don't mean that in the squishy way, where it's like, don't worry about the law, just make them like you. I mean, mm. the goal is that they would love your law yeah. because they love you and mm-hmm. they know you love them. And so they know that your law is good. Yeah. I don't think this conversation necessarily needs to happen with two-year-olds. It's probably very pointless. But once kids become about, you know, four, five, six, seven, I do tell them on a very regular basis, like, this is for your freedom. That's right. This is for your good. <laughs> and they do start, especially if you reward staying in fellowship, they start to understand it on their own. Yeah. They get it on their own. They understand Absolutely. like it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to obey than to disobey. Yes. So when we're talking about discipline, we have to keep our eye on the prize of what are we actually ultimately, what is all of our discipline aimed at? Mm-hmm. What is all of our, not just our discipline, but our love and our serving of our children and our encouraging our children, our honoring our children, providing them with what they need to obey, um, making it easy as possible for them to Mm -hmm. obey. All of that's aiming at winning their heart through my fatherhood to the father, to God the father. My goal is to image and obviously imperfectly because I'm a sinner. I get frustrated. I, Mm -hmm. my temper is too short. God is slow to anger. All that's true, but my goal is that through my fatherhood, I would win their heart, and ultimately I would win their heart in Mm -hmm. an imperfect, incomplete way, Mm -hmm. ultimately to God the Father. So when we're spanking a bottom, we have to remember that we're actually aiming for 
our son or daughter to grow up to be a man or a woman who loves, honors, and respects us because we are respectable and honorable. And they know, they look back and they say, thank thank you, God, that my mom and my dad loved me enough to discipline me. Well, yeah, because you think about like the whole give them grace thing with parenting. It is fundamentally antinomian because they don't actually believe that God's word is what's good for their child. Yeah. And God's standards is what's good for their child. Yes. They're thinking my patience is going to be goodness for my child instead of no God's word and his standard is good in and of itself, whether or not I'm patient, whether or not I give them a second chance, third chance, fourth chance. Right. And so that error, we talked about this a couple months ago, that error it just, it's training the children in the wrong thing. It's not training them in God's standards. Yeah, it's training them that God's law for the people of God is a burdensome thing. Yeah, yeah. So you need to show them grace because they just can't do it instead yeah. of like, no. It's antinomian. You're a Christian. Yeah, when we're talking the about, Lord. <laughs> see, one of the patterns that we, we see throughout the scriptures, I just preached on this last Sunday. One of the patterns we see throughout the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, Deuteronomy 6, Ephesians 6, etc., is that we are expected to treat our children as if they belong to the people of God from infancy. That like they're in they're in the people of God by virtue of being God having graciously given them to Christian parents. From the beginning, it doesn't say that we're to like, you know, wait until they profess faith before we discipline them in accordance with God's word. Yep. You know, we're not like, oh man, I really would like to spank my two-year-old, but they haven't, you know, confessed Jesus as Lord yet. So, you know, I wouldn't want to conform the unbeliever to the standard of God. No, we're taught to train them up in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. Um, we're taught to treat them as sons by disciplining them, like Hebrews 12, 6, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves yep. and chastises every son whom he receives. Even the metaphor of our belonging to the Father through the Son is that we are sons and daughters of God. So we discipline our children. I think you need to get this out of your head, some of us, of this like, well, I don't know if they're a Christian yet. Well, we're expected from the time, the moment God gives them to us in conception to treat them and pray for them as being a part of mm-hmm. the family of God. Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking, I was thinking about this recently, like people w- sometimes want to say like, well, that doesn't mean it's normative for a child to like believe from a young age and to be disciplined from a young age. But we also don't have the opposite in scripture that it's normative for them to grow up and become like yeah. faithful only as a young adult. So why, but we have lots of evidence for the younger child. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, we should probably err on the side of... Absolutely. <laughs> Psalm 22, David says that um, you you are he who took me from my mother's breast and taught me to believe from my mother's breast. Yeah. So, and and that's not an, an extraordinary thing that no. we're supposed to be like, oh, David was this special. No, the pattern yeah. in scripture is that when, when the proverb says, sometimes we do this thing with the proverbs where we're like, it says, train up the child in the way he should go when he's old, he won't depart from it. Well, we know that that's a proverb, not a promise. So, mm-hmm. you know, and there's there's disagreement about exactly the categories here. I don't want to get into that whole debate necessarily, but it would certainly be an error to take that passage and say what it really means is train up a child in the way that he should go. And I don't know, flip a coin. It's because eh, because it's a Gnostic way of thinking where we're mm-hmm. like our efforts and our work 
they're totally disconnected because of God's sovereignty. Well, we're Calvinists, so mm-hmm. God just elects randomly, like as if God just like draws powerballs out of the <laughs> humanity. No, yeah. God tells us relentlessly that he loves to work through families and normal covenant succession. So he delights to show his his faithfulness to mm-hmm. who? To the thousandth generation of those mm-hmm. who love him and keep his commands. He's even so slow to anger that he limits the curse of the father to the third and fourth generation. So that's why a lot of our family trees had three or four generations of utter folly and death, and then someone got saved Mm -hmm. because God is that merciful. He loves to step in and say, I won't let sin run to the thousandth generation. My Mm -hmm. mercy does that. Mm -hmm. So when we're thinking about parenting our children, keeping our eye on the prize, we're saying... Lord, you love to save these children. They belong to you. Mm -hmm. uh, And so I'm going to train them to obey your law because you've told me to. Well, and the funny thing too is, if they're really not his, the only way that's going to be found out is through church discipline. And through the law being applied. Again. Exactly. (laughs) And that itself is a grace. When you you find out where you stand, and it's not with the people of God, that you're an apostate, that's a grace to know where you stand. So don't buy that like Elise Fitzpatrick nonsense, that hyper-grace, antinomian, quasi-Lutheran nonsense, that you shouldn't be disciplining your children according to the standard, that you should just be like taking them aside and explaining to them how, you know, you did wrong, but yeah, if you find, if you're like aren't going to discipline you. Finding yourself in conversations where you're just like explaining the gospel over and over and over and over again, but there's no actual change in the fellowship and atmosphere in your home, you're probably in the wrong ditch, I guess. Right. God doesn't do that to us. Yeah. In Hebrews 12, 6, again, when it says he disciplines and chastens those he loves, he's chastening them, yes, to drive them to the throne of grace, Mm -hmm. but he's also doing it to bring them to repentance. Yeah. And instruction, instructing them in the way they should go. It's actually turning. So getting, getting practical... Let's let's start with some of with some of those principles in mind. When we're disciplining our children, and we're, you know, we've seen a violation. Mm-hmm. Um, what are we disciplining for? What are the standards? Because obviously, we don't have six hundred different laws in our home that we're trying to enforce. Mm-hmm. What are the standards that we're basically evaluating at all times? Behavior, words, attitudes, so that we can in- mm-hmm. enforce. First time in the moment with a with a spank or a mm-hmm. you know a, a correction. What are some of those laws? Um, the three that I can think of that are spankable offenses in our home are no disrespect, no disobeying, and no fussing. Yeah, and tons of things can fall under that category. Don't get yeah. on the counter. You get on the counter. You disobeyed. You get a spanking for disobeying. You don't get a spanking necessarily for being on the counter but you're getting a spanking for disobeying. Because sometimes you can be on the counter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then I will say, sometimes if we're noticing a habit developing, we will occasionally add like, and no lying, because we know that's a temptation. Yeah. But we're not going to spring that out of nowhere. That is going to come almost as a help to our child. Like we've had multiple conversations, you've been lying, or you've been sneaking food at night. (laughs) And that will be like an added you know this is a problem, so no more sneaking. You will be getting a yep. spanking. But those, it really is as simple as that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really, we both really appreciate it. It was a big light bulb for us listening to 
Why Children Matter. Yeah. There's some sermons that Pastor Douglas Wilson preached on that. And then they did a very helpful like Q&A with him and Nancy, his wife. I, you can go find that. It's Why Children Matter. I think Matter. it's on Vimeo. I don't think it's on... Or maybe it's on Canon on YouTube. It probably is. And but, the, you yeah. can find it. And then they had a... Um, they have a book, Why Children mm-hmm. Matter, where they transcribed and mm-hmm. shortened their answers to the Q&A with their mm-hmm. church. That was super helpful. Some of the phrases that have just yeah. leapt off the page from that are things like, they said, your house, or you should be trying to cultivate an environment where it's a garden of yes, mm-hmm. with a few no's. Mm-hmm. So if your house is like, no disobeying, and and it's like, I my walls are covered in very delicate china <sighs> that is sick from the Ming dynasty... So yeah, no disobeying, but it also means like, don't go over there. And you're continually telling them things that they could easily disobey. Like, don't get on that. Don't climb over there. Don't run. Don't talk too loud. Don't don't laugh. <laughs> don't look at me like that. You know, you probably need to and be I, more I like And I mean, God. I get it. We have three <laughs> little boys. I think yeah. sometimes moms of boys can start to feel like, oh yeah, sure. Sure. Sure, you can have a conversation outside of trying to direct them, but you really can. Like that psalm about, how blessed and how good it is when brothers dwell in unity. Like they're talking yeah, about Psalm brothers. Remember that he's literally saying brothers dwelling in unity. Yeah, behold how pleasant and how good and how becoming well when brothers dock yes. together come in unity to dwell. So it really is possible to have fellowship outside of just yeah. having to shoot commands at your kids all day long, no matter the age, I promise. So when we're again, back to keeping your eye on the prize, you can have these three rules and discipline for them and have your eye off the prize. Because what is the goal of all this discipline? Well, again, it's working your way up. We want everybody to be in fellowship with everybody mm-hmm. all the way up to God. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. we want them to be in fellowship with God themselves. We want them to be in fellowship with their parents, the next authority down. We want them to be in fellowship with their siblings. We want them to be in fellowship with the neighbor kids playing in the backyard with them. We want them to be in fellowship with their classmates. Like, the goal is that you would have peace and fellowship because the the shalom, the peace of God is what follows obedience and strife and enmity and hatred and reviling Mm -hmm. and slander and, uh, you know, filthy talk. These are things that come when sin comes in. And I think sometimes people can get frustrated because when they think of peace, when they're hearing a Psalm like that, they're probably thinking, all right, all my kids on separate couches, reading a book quietly. When in reality, when the moments that I have in my mind from the last couple months, the last year of all of our children being in unity, good fellowship with one another, it's with a table that is covered in art supplies. They're all being kind to one another. They're all taking turns. They're all using pleasant voices, but there are stickers and glitter everywhere. And I think the problem is sometimes, like we talked about then that Rachel Jankovic quote, we're not f- trying to think of how to bless them. We're trying to think of how to pacify them. And children get bored easily. They just do. And when they get bored, they get mischievous and sinful. Yeah. And so moms really do have to think and get outside of just like what's easy for them and think, how can I bless them in this to cultivate fellowship? Yeah, if, you're, if you are disciplining, again, your eye is off the prize now, and you're disciplining for your own convenience. Yeah. You're, you're in child, you are inconveniencing me. And then you start to subtly set up your life to where your goal is to be on your phone all day. Yeah. Your goal is your to do list. have a, as clean of a house as possible. Yeah. Your goal is to not be interrupted while you're trying to get 50 other things done that you've decided are much more important than your children. Mm-hmm. Well, you're actually sinning against your children and you're provoking them to sin. This is why 
Paul in Ephesians, he tells fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, but raise them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, which we talked about last week as this thick kind of total enculturation, training of your children to obey and love Christ and his world that he made. But if you yourself have the wrong vision for Mm -hmm. what you're trying to accomplish with your life, then you will discipline your children to that vision and probably make them despise you. Miserable, yeah. You know, and make everybody miserable because you're trying to get them to do something that discipline wasn't meant for. Yeah. It's meant to keep them in fellowship, get them to obey God and have love and peace flow out of the home. And what you're making it about is mommy would like to continue, you know, listening to her audiobook. Yeah. While baking pastries. Please stop <laughs> interrupting me. Another thing I think this is one for me that I'm and when we talk about like this, we're talking about temptations we fall into. We're not talking from like atop Mount Zion <laughs> with no sin. Uh, these are things that we've we've sent we've sinned we've had we've many times had to re- repent and confess to our children. You know, fathers. I think a category for us is like I I had to resign myself about five years ago that most of my stuff would be broken, <laughs> that my house would have like dings in the drywall. And I just resigned myself. Just today, I was going to close the the blinds on the front, and I looked <laughs> down at the window. Where Cyril so, ate yeah, the window. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Cyril literally ate the window. He, <laughs> you guys, he ate it. He ate the paint and the drywall. I mean, praise the Lord. Our house at this point, like I put that paint on two years ago, and it's non, it's not lead based. <laughs> No, we've he, lived here longer than that, baby. Yeah, but it's not, it's not like 1970s. Oh, paint, I see what you're lead, saying. I mean. Oh, 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 oh. He's I see, like, I see. It was at the perfect height one, one at some stage of his growth, and he was like, Man, He used I'm to just hold on be... to the windowsill and walk along it when he was learning and to walk eat and it. eat it as he, he would went. literally crunch the plaster and eat it. So there's like a whole exposed metal strip, you know? And I looked at that. Real classy. And I just, I, <laughs> I'm not going to fix it, you guys. Like, <laughs> as an act of repentance. Yeah. And as yeah. an act of reminding, it's actually, seriously, these dings are so good for me because I'm like, my house is not a museum. It's not. It's for them. It's for the children. I built the house for the children, not for me mm. or my like some kind of fantasy that it was going to be ding free. I'm looking over. There's another one right there. I know. There. I saw, I saw, oh, my I word. Think like, that one. <laughs> so... Yeah. It's so important. Like, there's so many ways that you can, we could spend all night describing ways you can get out of fellowship. But your goal is, if you keep that in mind, what is my discipline aimed at? What is my discipline aimed at? You can always reverse engineer yourself back to the path, no matter how far you've gone astray. If you remember, I'm, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to show them the character of the father so that they can love the father, that I can win their hearts, so that when they're adults, they'll respect me. They will be trained in the law of God. They'll know how to obey authority, like when we and, and maintain fellowship. When we do that, man, like it just simplifies matters. And a lot of the time, the way it simplifies matters is by showing you how sinful you are as a parent. Am I right? Yep. I think a lot of parents feel like failures when they're when their kids, when especially when you start stacking a few kids that are under six and they're close together, you just start feeling like, am I broken? Yeah. Am I just an yeah. idiot? Am I like a special kind of sinner? Because it's like the moment when you find yourself yelling at your kid about something dumb. Like, <laughs> no, stop eating the pudding cup with your hands. <laughs> I gave you a spoon. 
you know, and you're like, and then you, you like get out of your out, you get having an out of body experience where you see yourself yelling at your kid about putting their finger in the pudding cup. And you're like, am I just a special kind of sinner? (laughs) Am I like a demon? (laughs) You need to know that you're not a special kind of sinner. Mm -hmm. You're no temptation has befallen you. That's not common to men. And the answer is the same. Repent to the people you sinned yeah. against. Again, first priority, you being in fellowship with the Lord and you doing your duty. You know, something about that Why Children Matter series that really was a game changer for me too was realizing it's a parenting is a skill that you can grow in. It's not like you're just stuck with this limited amount of parenting knowledge that you either did or didn't inherit and that's kind of it. You're, you're screwed and your kids are screwed. Yeah. You can really work together as parents to grow in this skill. Does that make sense? Something else I want to mention too, that I told you this recently, I don't remember (laughs) when it was, but I just reread Rachel's books on parenting and in Fit to Burst, she was talking about like, and this really is like a unique level once you get to a group of children at a variety of ages, an older child may be trying to have a really deep intellectual conversation with you while a very high energy child might be trying to show you something while the baby might be crying while the other two are too small to even know how to tell you what's wrong with them. They're just fighting with one another and pulling one another's hair and you're trying to make dinner that needs to be on the table 15 minutes ago. And there's like all this noise in the background and it's not necessarily like anyone is sinning there's just a lot of noise that makes you think they're sinning and you just want to start snapping at everyone yes and the analogy she gave was like you need to look at that noise in the background as when you're standing on the free throw line playing basketball and the other team is trying to basically catch you with your guard down it's good and you need to ignore it and just keep on doing what you know you're supposed to be doing just shoot the next ball do the next thing discipline the next kid get the next plate of food on the table with kindness and a smile. But I think a lot of like my temptation is to want to start engaging in the noise and like saying either like be quiet or everybody quiet down. I yeah. do this all the time. She's describing <laughs> something I do all the time. Everybody level it down. Okay. But really you're at an eight. Like it's it's really helpful to just be like, but wait a second. I can also just press through yeah, just and realize it. that is a temptation. I have to want to start shushing everybody, but just keep going and get your job done cheerfully. And yeah. everyone will eventually quiet down at bedtime. You'll be shushing every for eternity. You'll be the <laughs> no, eternal No, you will. Shusher. That's the thing is, you will just be raising your voice over everyone else's yeah. voices. If you think that you're like the museum attendant, yeah, and your house again is a museum where yeah. there's only a certain level of decibels allowed before you bet you have to start shushing or revoking people's visitor pass. Mm-hmm. You, again, you've ha- you have you've made a mistake. You're in a house, not a museum. I do want to say one more thing. Then we probably need to move on, unless we want to yeah, complete yeah. a different episode for catechism. But also in Why Children Matter, just that I think it's Ephesians six one where it says, um, if you're correcting a brother, do it in gentleness, realizing that if you're not doing it in gentleness, you're disqualified yeah, to be right. disciplining. Um, and that's not an excuse to not discipline. But the answer to that is to be a faithful parent. If you yeah. actually believe that God has, as scripture says, placed your child in a believing home, considering him a saint, considering him a Christian, you need to be disciplining him likewise. And to be disciplining him in gentleness is to be doing it in faith because you're believing God at his word. That's right. So I, for me, that's been the, the solution to the lack of gentleness is like, okay, Lord, give me faith to understand this is the right thing. I need to do it in gentleness and I need to do it right now. So please change my heart right now, yep. Yep. right now. And you can, and he can. So yeah. 
So summing up that first heading before we move on, we're saying discipline is like your one of your first order important duties after maintaining fellowship with God, with your obeying the Lord, your attitude is organized, and then your people before all of your other tasks and duties that are also important. But your people are first, so you're dis- they're the first priority. You put, you turn the stove off, you you know the burner off. You take them to the bathroom. You give them a spanking. You do it with you know not raising your voice and shouting. Mm-hmm. You do it with gentleness and humility. You do it uh, faithfully and obediently, and you your children will be a joy as they grow. They really will be a joy, and they'll grow in maturity. So let's move to dis- discipleship, and obviously. I'm struggling for a category. I'm talking like spiritual formation here, mm-hmm. because obviously discipline is a subset of discipleship. Yeah. It's in the word, but it's we're less talking, of the mechanics. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now let's talk a little bit about that paideia nuthesia. Obviously, we talked about education. So now, what about like training in theology, training your children in the scriptures and in family worship and and that kind of thing under this heading here. So I mean, take you, it away. I what feel do you like think? you've always done the bulk of this, especially when sure. I was homeschooling them, most of the subjects. You kind of always took up the Bible. I think consistently the one thing we've always done is some sort of a catechism. Since we just had Ari and Ira, we've done some sort of a catechism. Yeah. Now we do, I mean, the last couple years, I guess, we've had catechism as a church, and some sort of Bible reading. I'm not a fan of the Jesus Storybook Bible no, at get, all. <laughs> if you have the Jesus Storybook Bible, go st- pause the episode. <laughs> go get it. I'm not even kidding. This, this is 100% serious. Literally throw it away. I mean, that woman is pro-LGBT stuff. She's absolutely an apostate. So get rid yeah. of it. Also, it completely um, gets the gospel wrong, mm-hmm. and it gets the Bible wrong. So just throw it away. Get Catherine Voss. Yeah, I was going to say Catherine Voss is pretty awesome. Her husband wrote a whole lot of books on biblical theology. Um, So that's a pretty solid one. And then there's also the one from, is it Reformation Heritage Books? I mean, the Voss one is from ReformationHeritageBooks.com. Yeah, but so is the other, the uh, the picture book Bible that we've been using that doesn't have pictures of Jesus. It's from, is it Reformation Heritage? What's the one? It probably is. Is that who's sponsoring? Yeah, they're sponsoring the King's Hall. They're not sponsoring this episode, by the way. No, I know, but that's really that is where it's from. They have great resources. They do. um, They have a lot of really good. So we have their yes, their Puritan. We have their picture book Bible, but we also have a lot of storybooks of just individual people from from the Bible, the Bible, which the kids really like too. Um, so you've done that. We you, we almost always have some sort of read aloud going on. Yeah, I have seasons. Like, again, you're talking to people who are real people. Like, we're not every day of the week nailing this. No. So I, what, what I want to do is give you some counsel for how to be faithful in this and, like, making sure that you're building in the constituent parts in your every day so that even if you miss the ball in the evening— that you have actually fulfilled your duties by the end of the day. So I know you, you want to say something. Well, I was, was... going to say, though, you did make it very clear early on, parenting-wise, that your job, your main job at night was not ministry. It was to be home catechizing the kids. Correct. And that's a, that's a standard at our church. You know, yeah. people know I'm not going to answer their text quickly from 530 to 830. Yeah. Right? Like, people in my church know that. I have And we kids. don't, we, we really do... Like, you're right. I think... If someone's dying or needs... I'm going to go yeah, to the hospital, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. interrupt, Yes, obviously. you have gotten up and left for stuff <laughs> like, like that, literally. We are very seasonal because of our work on our property. And so we are in a time of the year where we didn't even sit down to dinner tonight. You were hanging rabbit cages while the kids were eating pizza on the deck behind you. Yeah. 
And we did not. We have been, May is probably the busiest month of our entire year. I am downright exhausted. We did sit down and watch some stuff together tonight. Typically, though, you do pull out something after dinner and you go through some catechism and you do some reading. Yeah, I'll give you the day. Here's what I would recommend, like just as if you're a father uh, and ladies, like if your husband's looking for, you know, your husbands might do it differently than me. So don't use this to judge your husband if he's doing things differently. But my general pattern is I'm trying to get three things happening in the average day for our family. One of them is singing psalm hymns and spiritual songs. One of them is praying regularly and having a rhythm of prayer in our life, at least morning and evening. Mm-hmm. is the goal. And school helps with this because we have the school. So there's there's morning chapel that either myself or another pastor's teaching and singing and praying with the older kids. They are singing in the middle of the day. <laughs> like we sing a lot. We we pray mm-hmm. a lot. But so I'm trying to get the, the, the so I've done two, singing, praying, and uh, training that includes scripture and, and theological training of some sort. So my pattern right now, this works with our schedule since I'm taking our kids to school because uh, it's at the church, is that at breakfast, most days of the week, my goal is to be there and to lead the family before we leave in at least prayer, where we're praying for the day ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, And I'm just praying at this point. As they're getting older, I'm going to start, I've been hinting to our oldest that he's going to be starting to pray more. And I'm just praying for our kids by name or for my wife, how, that God would give us all, and it's practical things. Like, God, give us good attitudes today, help us to love one another, help us to do our duties with joy and patience. Like, they're very blue-collar prayers. In the morning, I'm typically not, like, going through a liturgy of confession and repentance, and, like, because they're nine and under. You did have us kneeling for a while, which was really convicting. If I was waking up with a bad attitude or feeling overwhelmed, it was... It helped. It helped I'm me. sporadic with kneeling. I try to do it, and I do like it. Sometimes yeah, it's like crazy it. getting out the door, but I try to have us kneel when we pray, because it really does like set apart that time. Yeah, it does. It really does. A catechism of some sort or a Bible reading. I've done the Proverbs at the dinner, at the breakfast table a lot, and then in the evening again, singing for sure. We always sing before bed. Sing and pray. We sing a psalm. We sing before dinner. Yeah, we sing a lot. Like, I don't know why I don't sing with the kids during the day. I don't know. Like I should sing it's with them. It's because I'm lunch. a songbird. And yeah, I'm that's probably singing. what it is. Yeah, I mean, we sing. We do. We sing psalms all day. We yeah, do. I, I believe it. We really do. <laughs> so another thing I'm trying to do is work up through the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Actually, I'm going to plug a resource I'm working on right now. It'll be out soon. Some of you will listen to this maybe a month or two after this is released. I'm aiming to write catechism songs for all 107 Westminster Shorter Catechism songs and record them so that I can get them up on Spotify and YouTube. I'll put them, like, there'll be links on my website, briansove.com, if you're looking for those in the future. Basically, I'm trying to give the kids with a catechism a framework that they memorize, that they can hang all of their theological knowledge mm-hmm. onto through their lives. Mm-hmm. And and the catechism is, we love the Westminster Shorter Catechism. We use it at our church. And um, the, there are lots, depending on your theological tradition. Keech's Catechism for Reformed Baptists, um, there's some great ones out there. Donald Van Dyken, when we used Logos, we used his Covenant Theology Catechism, and I loved that curriculum so, so much. It was not specifically a catechism of like all theology. It was going through every book of the Bible and teaching biblical theology 
in that book, but in a catechism style. Is that what we use at school? I think we do. I don't know what they're using. I just approved the curriculum for next year, and I'm oh. pretty sure that. Well, it's on I, there. I I did mention I did tell Kevin. I'm pretty I, sure it's I'm on a there. huge it's fan of this. It's called Covenantal Catechism. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, I loved it. It comes with. Um, it has songs to go with it too. It was just super yeah. duper 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 solid. But I I think we should kind of give a little case for why catechism. <laughs> yeah. Because I think I mean I don't know. There could be listeners. This is far reaching enough that there could be people that think yeah are you roman catholic yeah so a ca- <laughs> first of all what a catechism is a method of training the faith where you learn a set answer to a question yep q a so style. the first question of the westminster shorter catechism what is the chief end of man <laughs> <laughs> and then the answer is man's chief end is to glorify god and to enjoy him forever and yes, I'm singing it because I was recording that song this week, so it's stuck in my head. But you go through, and it basically answers the big questions of who is God, what is God, mm-hmm. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. So it explains who is God, how many persons are there in the Godhead, like so theology proper. It explains the law of God, the Ten Commandments, the you know Christ, his office as prophet, priest, and king, as Savior. Basically, the reason I believe in catechesis is like two really basic reasons. Number one, you shouldn't move an ancient landmark before you know what it's for and why it's there. Like if you inherited a a farm property that had been in your family for a hundred years and you got out to some remote corner and you found like a fenced section, before you knock that fence down, you should probably find out why it was there. Because for all you know, that fence is keeping out some predators that you didn't know about. Or it's, it's hey, there's a sinkhole on the other side of this. We're protecting the kids from falling in it. So when you look at a practice that has historically been common in the church, you should, before you just get rid of it, you should ask, like, why did across traditions, across Reformed traditions, and even out of the Reformed tradition, ancient, ancient tradition, yeah. did they use catechesis? Like, bef- yeah. they would have catechumens, Going through catechesis, you would not be able to participate in certain aspects of church life until you passed this Mm -hmm. test. You should ask, like, why was that? Well, because it produced Christians who could think biblically about a lot of different things and had, again, the second part is that I think it gives you a very robust framework, skeleton, to put the meat on. The catechism is not everything. I mean, there's the, like, Westminster Longer Catechism, Larger Catechism, and it's um, more detailed. You have so there are catechisms that are very big, and and detailed, and you can go, certainly go with those. But if you were to memorize, like most ordination exams in the Presbyterian churches require that you have all one hundred and seven shorter catechism questions memorized, it's because all of a sudden when anybody asks me a theological question, I'm mm-hmm. likely to be at least be able to begin with the, the the peg on the wall of the, the question about it. Yeah. And then I've hung a bunch of knowledge fleshing that subject out through further study. And our children are all going to be doing that through their lives. Yeah, I think um, in this book, Rediscovering Catechism, which is, I don't know, one of the best books I've ever read on this topic of spiritual yeah, formation in children. He was talking about how, um, like just remembering like a three-pronged approach of scripture catechism and creeds yeah all of those things the other thing i was going to say is like i know the ancient church used it for requirement for baptism was my understanding 
And then I remember reading in Ian Murray's book on like post-millennialism and revival. I cannot remember what the title the Puritan was. Puritan Hope? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Puritan Hope. He was talking in there about how once the, when the Reformation happened, the church courts and like the laws of the land essentially became reformed. But the the pastors realized nobody in the congregation is reformed because there's been a famine of the word in the land. So they started using catechisms again and things like the Geneva Bible commentaries to literally, I think the statistics were really cool in that book. Like in in a number of years, entire families through entire countries were just up to speed within literally a number of months because of tools like catechism. And we just are, like you're saying, so quick. And I think a lot of the reason people don't like it is, oh, it's rote memorization. It's dead. It's old. It's dusty. I'm sorry. Your kids are going to memorize something. Yeah. It's going to be those stupid popsicle songs or whatever well, they're called. I tell people all the time in church that the whole world is is aimed at catechizing you. Yeah. So think about that question. What is the yes, chief end exactly. of man? What does Netflix teach you to answer? What does Disney teach you? Well, the chief end of man is to actualize my enormous self potential Mm -hmm. and love myself forever. Well, so, and something else I do want to comment on is I think this is important. This is an important model, if you will, of children's ministry is churches taking up helping as a tool to parents to catechize their kids. I mean, in this book, he was talking about how pastors, uh, it's so convicting as a parent too. I'm trying to think of how can I work this? And it's probably just going to be your music to be honest. Pastors would go, visit with the families on a weekly basis yeah. and ask questions of every family member, including the parents. <laughs> yeah. They would do their, their visitation and yeah. you know, they were like walkable parishes yeah. and riding, riding the circuit and everybody in the community belongs to the church. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to call an audible. I think we should do an, a standalone episode on parenting in the pews. So we're going to land the plane here for this episode. And then next time we'll wrap up the living room discussion by actually going to the living room of the church. That's my really awkward tie-in. I, with no, it's team. not awkward. I mean, if you're going to be prepared for church, it does start It at starts home. in the living room. And we're going to talk about... <laughs> so next episode, we will connect the, the things that we've been talking about here. Because honestly, sometimes people are surprised by this. But I would say, in my order of importance for leading the family as a father and as a homemaker, a, mother, a father and a mother together... The first important thing is to build your rhythm around the corporate worship gathering. Yeah, that's true. And then family worship comes, serves that, and flows from it. Yeah. But you need to be, you need to, as a family, be worshiping the Lord with the body of Christ together. Yeah, it makes no sense for you to be teaching your kids all week at home. And then when the the actual game day happens, you say, all right, go to Sunday school. We don't want to see you. (laughs) So we'll talk about that next time. Um, Again... We, we get a lot of questions through different social media channels. And genuinely, guys, we're not trying to ignore you if you've asked us questions. I still can't log back into our Instagram we'll since figure my that phone out. But I just want, I, I want to say, so one of the things that we do is we prioritize questions through our Patreon channel. So we do an Ask Me Anything kind of thing once a month. Um, our first one is going to be going up actually this week as we release this episode on the coming we're recording before. But, I mean, on Monday we'll rec- release this episode and at the same time on Patreon, we'll do, you know, some Q&A that we've worked through from from people on that channel because we just can't keep up with all the different yeah. channels. So we, we prioritize that one. Those are folks who are supporting the show and helping us continue to do it and, you know, pay for people to edit the show and 
a whole lot of other things that go into it. So patreon.com slash bright hearth is the address for that. And uh, there's other rewards as well to jump on there. But thanks for listening in. We hope that God uses this content to make, you know, actual, to be an actual help practically, not just to change your mind on things, but to actually affect how your children and your grandchildren look because, you know, you got some input of things that we've learned from other people and that we've had to stumble through ourselves over the years. So we really do hope this is helpful to you and not just, you know, another podcast on the list, but that it actually does serve you. Um, Thanks for listening in and we'll see you next week at Bright Hearth.